0: Before we start, we wanted to let you know that this episode contains stories about drug use and addiction. If that's something you don't want to hear, skip this one. We wanted to remind you that if you are ever in need of support, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14 anytime if you need any support. Hi, I'm Emily. Hi, I'm Jamie.
1: I'm Zayn. And this is Straight Up, a podcast made for people who've been in government care, and it's made with people who've been in care. This is Nora. She makes the podcast with us. Hi. This podcast is part of Gom Central, which is a website and a game for people transitioning out of state care. Uh,
0: So this episode of the pod is about drug use. I guess why people take drugs, why they get addicted to drugs, and what they can do to help themselves in those situations. may use drugs as um or plants as a means of feeling better I suppose like in circumstances that are really difficult to Mm -hmm. come to terms with and and I think outside of drugs there are so many things that we're all addicted to like like just in our social patterns of behavior like food um shopping like there are so many different attachments that we have relationships um imbalances of power dynamics like there are so many things that we look for because we're seeking to fill a void or definitely and like there are just so many things so i think i think cigarette smoking so many people smoke cigarettes drink alcohol
1: i think a lot of things are drugs that people don't consider drugs yeah like cigarettes alcohol, and coffee Yeah, are the main ones.
0: (laughs) Even, you know, gambling is very addictive. Sex can be really addictive for a lot of people.
1: How I defined what was recreational and what was using it to deal with my problems was I look at how I was doing it. Do I do it every day? Do I feel like I need it when I don't have it? Am I doing it with my friends to have fun? Mm -hmm. Or am I doing it at home when no one else is around?
0: I think it's also what you're exposed to. So I guess, you know, someone, um, one person might be exposed to like some people smoking and drinking beers. And so when they look for something to comfort them or some kind of escapism, they might smoke cigarettes and drink beers. And another person who's grown up in a household where smoking dope or shooting up is normal, that's probably what they'll go to when they do need something um to ease their pain getting off of drugs is a big thing to talk about as well especially for harder drugs you know it gets really difficult to give up i mean i can't even imagine what that's like because i've never been addicted to hard drugs
1: i've struggled over the past year to two years with just quitting like simple stuff like drinking and uh nicotine Mm. And it's been really hard.
0: Why don't we listen to Brooke's story and some of her experiences uh, around this topic now. Uh, This interview was done by me and Jake, who's who's also from a care background. Brooke, did you want to tell us anything about your experience of care, how it all started?
2: Yeah, well, I was taken from birth till 18, put into foster care, kinship care, residential care, all types of care setting platforms, I guess, and different kind of parents, different kind of roles played.
3: Could you just explain to us a little how you got into drugs and how you first become a part of that lifestyle? Yeah.
2: So I got introduced to the lifestyle at that ripe age, I guess. Um, it was normal to me. Like, I didn't know any different. like, And that was ongoing until I decided to quit personally when I was 16,
3: 17. Do you think there's a connection between you taking drugs now and
2: the trauma you had as a child? Um, yeah, when I was taking drugs, definitely. Like, I was trying to feel a hole. I didn't want to feel any emotion that I was going through as a kid, and I didn't want to feel any pain and feel invincible, I guess. So, yeah, definitely. And trauma behind all of that, like, it either makes you or it breaks you. I didn't, like, get clean until I kind of started dealing with my trauma. I had to be uncomfortable with the emotions that I was going through to be able to quit the drugs that I was using. Anika, do you
3: want to just...
0: Give us a little rundown of what your role is.
3: My role is as a family mental health support counsellor. I work in Port Adelaide, and I work with children from naught to eighteen.
0: Would you would you say that a lot of people who have a dependency on drugs or alcohol do have kind
3: of a background of trauma? Certainly, when I worked in the open drug scene in um, Switzerland in the late eighties, early nineties. Um, and I was involved in the needle exchange, but also in the resuscitation program there. When we talked to the regular users, there were certainly quite a few there where trauma had absolutely been a part of their background, was part of their story, and the same in the UK and here as well. There seems to have been a real correlation with people who have had uh, trauma. Um, it's often served them a purpose, to help cope with things, to help forget, maybe cover up some of the shame and guilt. But often those effects uh, wear off and then there's the addiction.
0: Is there a difference, and what is the difference between recreational drug and alcohol use and self-medication?
3: I think that's a fabulous question. And I guess the way I would answer that is, for example, if I uh, were to say, go out socially, at a party, I may have a cigarette every so often, say once every six months. However, it would be quite different if I were to come home from a day of work, feeling all stressed and thinking, I need a cigarette. I think the way I would then be uh, smoking would be much more in an aggressive manner. And so I think then the likelihood is that I would also want more. So I would see that more as self-medication. And I think that's where sometimes there can be a slippery slope.
2: When it comes to recovery and being clean and whatever, I say I'm five years clean, but I've relapsed, don't get me wrong. I've, but I'm not feeling a fix anymore.
3: Yeah. We've got the ability now to be like, nah, no, I'm not going to let myself yeah. go down. Oh, I've used that now, I've calmed down. Yeah. I've got myself from that panic station where I was like, I don't know, I can't cope with this. I'm not in survival mode, yeah. I have seen people do cold turkey and that's often they've hit rock bottom or for a range of different reasons. Um, and that's really hard and I take my hat off to any that has done that. I'm also aware that for some a stint in prison has helped clean them up. The difficulty then is what happens when they come out of prison. Do they go straight back, which of course sadly is often the case, and so what are the supports after youth detention prison? I think ideally long-term therapeutic support is what is needed. For some IV drug users, I have also advocated a methadone programme. If that helps create some stabilisation so that they can then look at getting some stability, maybe getting some housing. I think the thing is addressing one thing at a time.
2: One day I was like toking a pipe and I looked up in the mirror and like all I saw was a spinning reflection of my mother and that's like something that I aspired not to be my entire lifestyle. And also, like, my ex-partner had, like, a role in that. Like, she wouldn't date me unless I got clean, so then... But, yeah, getting clean was probably one of the most, like, beneficial things of my life because, like, I can live now in day-to-day lives and I can empower people with different, like, stories of my life. Like, it's been one hell of a ride.
3: I think anyone who is trying to get out of those cycles, I'd want to encourage and congratulate because it's a big step and it can feel really risky. And I think what I would also say is believe in yourself. Give yourself time. Don't let guilt or shame pull you down. Using drugs has served as a purpose, and it's important to acknowledge that. And looking at what other strategies could you think of to help with those purposes. So, for example, if you've used it to numb feelings... What will you do if those big feelings start coming back? If the pain comes back, will you get some counselling? I would always encourage someone to seek out professional help as well, but look around for someone that you really feel that you can trust. And it doesn't actually always have to be a professional. If you've got someone within a support network who you feel you can trust, sometimes even they can be a first port of call.
0: If you could talk to yourself when you were younger, what what do you say to them? What's your message? I'm just
2: a living example of it. Like, I try and prove to the kids in care and prove to people that are at risk of that, that, like, you can still have goals and ambitions and achieve them. Like, I used to think the world was going to fall into my lap when I was on gear, like, dead set. I used to just sit there doing whatever I wanted. Mm-hmm. I didn't realise what situation I was in until, yeah, like, I got off of it and, like, got clean and I was like, oh, my goodness, like, I was learning life for the first time, like... And it was beautiful, but, like, tainted as well. Like, life is so wax. so I do understand why people get back on and people relapse. And who would have thought the fact of me when I was 14 would be, like, a youth working out? So, like, little steps make better changes to your life. Like, you can prioritise your life, like, have self-worth, think that you're a, like, capable human being like you are. Having self-worth, having people validate your emotions and feelings and thoughts and your entire life, like being, getting care and having a rough upbringing, having people just sit there and validate it, just be like, yeah, that
0: did happen. So if there's a family member or a friend, uh, if they're putting themselves or somebody else in danger because of their drug use, what, what can you do in that situation?
3: So if you know someone who is putting themselves at risk or who is feeling suicidal or is putting others at risk, uh, you can actually, you can dial triple zero. that's if you know where they live. Um, You can also get police to do a welfare check and so that can be a good way of doing it. And also, if you think they really are a risk, I would would consider dialing triple zero because it may well be that actually they need to be detained um, under the Mental Health Care Act. um, And that's something that can happen.
1: Straight Up is part of the GOM Central project. You can find out about GOM Central by going to the website gomcentral.elmplace.org.au or join our Facebook group. GOM Central is funded by the Department of Child Protection and delivered by Relationships Australia, South Australia. Straight Up is produced by Narrative Marketing. Your hosts are Jamie Lee Nelson, Zane Tonks, Emily Mackay and Nora Goodborn. The production team includes Nora Goodborn, Cass Eddington, Michelle Filsell, Naomi ebert Smith. This podcast was created on Ghana and Paramount Country. We wish to acknowledge the Ghana and Paramount peoples and all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders Australians, their spiritual, physical, emotional, mental, and economic connection to the land and seas. We acknowledge the original custodians of Australia and in doing so, understand that their inherent cultural and spiritual beliefs continue to sustain the living people of each region. Special thanks to Annika, Skaro, Brooke, and Jacob.
0: This is a Narrative Network podcast.